This is Making It Happen by Sims, a podcast that brings people, business and technology together. Good morning and welcome back to another episode of Making It Happen by Sims. And today we welcome back Marco Mezgar, who we were lucky to have lucky enough to have join us in the summer for a market overview. Um, and again for today for an update. So firstly, welcome back, Marco. Hi guys. Hi. How's things? Happy to be back. Yeah. Very yeah. good. Thank you. Thank you very much. How about yourselves? Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. We were just discussing um things in Taiwan. And how how is Taiwan? Things been good? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely good. You know, now we come to the better time of the year, you know, where it's not so freaking hot. Yeah, <laughs> like exactly. Like we thought the last time. <laughs> exactly. And obviously, have you been traveling much this year on business? How are things starting to look like that for you, obviously, post-pandemic? Yeah, I think, you know, traveling has been coming back. Uh, the big events are there. I mean, even if you want to go to uh, mainland China, you know, everything has kind of normalized. There have been shows uh, in Asia around, have been shows. So, it's kind of coming back, you know. That's what people told us, you know, during Corona. Oh, the trade shows will be all virtual. No, nope, yeah. that's that's not what's going to happen. So I think in, instead of this, I think you see more diversified and specialized show. I mean, you have in the UK uh, a, a great show like the design show, electronic design show, I think, which was just recently. And I saw yeah. Sims. You also have been there, right, and, and exhibiting there. So I think all these shows are coming back and it's a great, great uh, way of engaging with customers and suppliers and understand how they think and what's going on. So I think it's it's very good, you know, to be able to do this again. Absolutely. Absolutely. So um, so as I said, just in the introduction, today we're just going to do a bit of a market update of where things are. Obviously, we, we chatted in July. Um, so just to give you guys an introduction to Marco, if you if you don't know who Marco is or or follow him on, on LinkedIn or anything like that, Marco, if he doesn't mind me saying so, myself is a bit of a memory and semiconductor expert. And really, I see him as a, a top voice for things like DRAM, uh, memory, security, and, and the market in general on LinkedIn and within the industry. Um, so... We're going to take a look today to see, you know, how things or or have or haven't moved on since our discussion in July. Um, and with this, Marco, I just want to take us back to that conversation in July. You know, you said to me, you know, memory manufacturers are not just making millions in losses, but actually billions in losses. And this could not continue, you know, per quarter. This due to obviously what was an incredibly soft market for demands, you know, an oversupply state of products. So firstly, is this still the case? Or have we moved on to what might be considered a more sustainable market for those manufacturers? Well, I mean, the year is not over yet. And I think it's pretty clear that, uh, that the manufacturers cannot uh, balance out the losses they have done in the in the first couple of months. And even we have seen like a change in the behavior, in the pricing, in the product availability. Um, th th this is not uh, bringing it uh, back to profitability. So I think that the assumption is that probably this year, the combined loss of the memory industry is roughly around about 25 billion US dollar. That's, yeah. that's a huge number. And that's, I think, what we discussed already in July. You know, it was already on the horizon. You saw the quarterly reports and they continuously are like uh, in the billions uh, uh, per quarter loss. So it's not has not really that significant improved, but pricing has improved, right? Yeah. And, the, and the narrative. So I think you have not seen, if, if you remember, or if, if you think about, we have seen 60% uh, drops comparing to last year in some specific DRAM product area. I mean, yeah. 60%, that's a lot of money, right? And, and last year was not extremely high. We had years where the pricing was even higher than that. 
So I think both of the technologies, DRAM and NAND, are struggling to be to be profitable. And I think that's why you have seen so much activity in regards to CapEx, um, that this has been reduced, but also in regards to wafer starts, because it's just too much parts in the uh, in the channel. Yeah. And in terms of just the recovery of those manufacturers, you know, uh, and, and about returning to profitability, do you still see 2024, for example, being a year of recovery for those manufacturers before, you know, we, we get back to profitability and onto that exponential rise that we all want to see? Well, if you look in our last bowl <laughs> to see, you know, how will be 24 and 25, I'm I'm pretty optimistic about 24 and 25. 26 might be another correction again, because this is like when, when, when manufacturers getting excited and, you know, like the market coming back in 2024. And, and frankly speaking, Drew, if we look into 2024, I have seen... Uh, numbers from increase uh, in the memory market between 30% up to 70%. Okay, there's a huge, huge range, you know, that even the so-called analysts, you know, like people who make money with this on a day-to-day basis and crunching the numbers and looking into this, they are not in line, you know, what's really happening. The bottom line where they are really in line is we have double-digit growth next year. So that's the key message what I'm taking away with it. And I think they are, the, the big determined factors are basically two things. One is ASPs, so yep. the average selling price of the product. So this has to go up. That's what we discussed last time because otherwise the loss would continue and nobody, uh, even a company like Samsung, will be able to do this for long because yep. they have shareholders and they will not look at this. And the second one is the demand because we we, we have really the, the the very interesting combination of that Demand is was weak, plus you have uh, 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 like high inventory level, and there where you have the time uh, the 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 price pressure. So there all these factors kind of together, and they will be corrected, and that's what's happening right now. I think you will see in this quarter uh, if you talk about contractual pricing, we will see across the board, especially on DRAM, the manufacturers pushing through like um, like ten to twenty percent increase in pricing. And you will see that customers are getting a little bit um, worried and cautious and trying to build up some inventory again because they have depleted most of the inventory, at least in the channel. Um, Smartphone is still quite weak, uh, but year over year, they are kind of the same. Let's put it in this way, so they didn't fall uh, further down. So this this is today already kind of a positive sign. You know, when you hear this, it's not going further down. But we need to see how sustainable it is, right? Yep. So I think uh, you will really see by the end of the year, all the cutback in the production capacity will be in effect. Because in September, after we spoke, Samsung made another announcement that they will cut back uh, further production. And uh, this really only comes into effect after four months, right? So three, four months, you can say where you see an impact. And that's kind of, a, I, I would say probably July, August was already some kind of inflection so we saw it on the horizon it's happening but a lot of people saw it more moving into 2024 but yeah. it's happening actually right now in 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 this in in fourth quarter and that's also how how i had the feeling that this is already happening uh happening now in, uh, in quarter four yeah absolutely and in terms of those price increases and then falling through to the to the customers um 
uh, you starting to see that in certain segments compared to others, you know, or the industrial side or enterprise side, where are the price increases coming uh, first off, you know, because obviously consumer still remains, they all remain pretty weak in terms of demand. It's going to take something to trigger it, but where are the price increases starting to happen and what segments? Well, I think we see it, especially on BDR5, right? So like in the in the newer technology, we see it, uh, and I'm not sure how much we covered this last time, but everything kind of AI related. Yeah. But, you know, the whole topic about AI related, I think it's not saving the memory industry. I mean, it's it's a it's a nice business for the memory manufacturers. And, uh, you know, especially SK Hynix has done a pretty good job, you know, to get a head start on that because yeah. uh, they're taking the lion's share at the moment of this. I think the numbers what I've seen for Q2 is that Samsung, uh, Samsung lost around about 4% market share on DRAM and SK Hynix gained it. That's that's pretty unusual in 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 one quarter, but that was a lot had to do with it because SK Hynix was the sole source, for example, for all the AI servers for yeah. HBM, right, which was using there. So I think that helped them. But now over the last couple of weeks, we have seen also Micron, um, Samsung. Samsung is doubling down; they are pushing this technology. And yes, this there is definitely a certain percentage what uh, AI helping to stabilize and giving more healthy margins because HBM is kind of a very complex product um, which has to be used in every AI server. You need also for inference, you need like standard servers and these standard servers need a lot of DDR5 technology. So I think that's where where, we, where I see at the moment probably a little bit more uh, activity on, um, on the price side, on cutting edge and okay. um, Samsung just released their newest uh, Alpha Note um, um, uh, chip, which gives them a better cost position, right? Because it's we are talking about the losses. Of course, if you have a newer technologies and you have a good yield rate, then your costs also go down right. and you can be more competitive. So this is one way where the manufacturers are looking into to have some more value-added product instead of, I would say, DDR4 is still the majority on PC Notebook. Yeah, um, I know you guys also work a little bit in the industrial space. Uh, there you have even DDR3, DDR4. And and there, I think the challenge is that there is still much more player in the market mm-hmm. than a couple of years we were thinking. One example is uh, SK Hynix. We're still also producing uh, DDR3 in China because in China, they are not allowed to really upgrade to EUV, to the newest technology. And so that's that's kind of a challenge. There's extra capacity there. You have the Taiwanese companies like Nanya, like Winbond, who also do DDR3. Samsung stepping out a little bit on the lower density, but they still also supply um, DDR3 for gig components. So I think there we have not seen such a uh, such a dramatic change at the moment. But over the the, the time you will see that the big companies will go out of this technology and that's a lot still used you know for some mcus industrial uh, segments so companies need to be watching out for this and i always recommend uh, to um, to designers or to engineers uh, you know they should not uh, stand only on one foot they should look for second source third source yeah. that they are able to react and i think that's also what you guys do you know to have solutions for customers um, that they are not getting trapped, you know, just betting on one single customer, on one single supplier, sorry. Yeah, and I think you're right in terms of <clears throat> in terms of those more legacy products like DDR2 and DDR3, they're still, you know, not everyone, especially in that engineer space, you know, DCs might want to adopt things, you know, like DDR5 and 
and these newer technologies, CXL related pro- products. But from the engineer side, they're, you know, they're looking for the reliability and things that are just going to be compatible and work. And there's still definitely a place for for that legacy sort of DDR kind of thing. So do you think just overall in terms of adopting new technology, the market wide, you know, are things, you know, coming out of a slump like we have been doing, are people a little bit slower to adopt overall or, or even still are they looking to sort of incorporate the latest technology no matter what segment? Yeah, I think for the technology, I mean, it's, it's mainly defined by the processor you are using, right? If you yeah. use, let's say, some NXP or ARM or, um, you know, Renesas, you know, this defines what memory chip or what memory technology you are using. Of course, you know, when we talk about computing and you hear like all oh, three nanometer technology, EUV made on ASL, ASML uh, machines, this is cutting edge, right? And this normally has the newest technology technology, memory technology, which is used. But there's so much variety today in memory. Think about it. You know, maybe 10, 15 years ago, we are talking about the PC, the notebook, and the server market. So today, we are talking about configuration by four uh, for server modules. We're talking by four by eight, by um, uh, for example, by normal PC modules. Then we are talking about automotive. Yes. We are talking about by 16. We are talking about by 32 mobile, industrial, sensors, edge. There's so many varieties. You 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 can use DRAM technology today and the biggest by far um, will be on the data center space because yep. you just need so many uh, bytes, right? So many density in order to process all the data. And that's where when you when you just look at types of the bit shipment, this is the lion's share, right? They have outpaced, I think, at the end of 2022, it was the first time that the data centers outpace mobile and it will never go back again. Never. Yeah. I mean, you know it, you sell also server modules, you you are in the server space, you know how hungry these guys are, you know, the more density you give them on a board, they take it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> because no, that, could... That's the computing power what they need. <laughs> absolutely. And, uh, you know, just touching back on, you know, uh, prices and where we're at in the moment and, and demand. Um, obviously, I think we're seeing demand quite, isn't quite back to where we want it to be, or, or it's on, on the on the way back. But what's it going to take for a resurgence in demand? Is it going to be, you know, something from that server market to do it? Because obviously, we've got a stalled or pretty much faltered consumer segment. But, but you know, or are we going to, you know, have to wait for something like a, you know, obviously we have pandemics and and things that are out of our control that cause demand. But what's going to be the thing to spike it? You think, um, or are we just going to see a gradual increase in demand? I think one big factor is how the big data center guys, right? I mean, the Meta, the Microsoft, the Amazon, you know, the Googles and all of this, how is their purchasing behavior? Because they can push to a certain amount, they can push the needle, right? The way how they purchase. So this means like how much inventory they are taking right now. Do they anticipate pricing goes further up? Are they very positive about the build out? So this can have a huge impact. Think about it, just one week extra inventory, you know, if all of them are doing this and not only these companies, also the others. So it's a very um, emotional decision also because people are afraid, you know, if the pricing goes further up that their calculation of the bill of material is not working anymore or their calculation for their services. So they need to be very sure, you know, that they make right decision. In the last one and a half years to be a buyer, it was a no-brainer. You just sit there and wait and look how the prices go continuously down. Yeah. It was it was pretty clear, right? So it's like it was a it was a pretty easy job. You know, next month's okay, another reduction, another reduction. It's okay. 
but it's changed now. The question is now it's like a, it's like a, you know, like a little bit of fight. Okay. It's like, okay, we want to increase and the buyer says, no, I, I don't want to, I don't, I, I don't see, I can still buy there. Mm. Well, he maybe still can buy from others because some companies are a little bit more aggressive, you know, in increasing price, some more loose. But one thing is for sure, all of them have reduced capacity mm-hmm. and all of them have reduced capex. Yeah. So once this hits the wall, it changes immediately. So coming yeah. to your point is what what has an impact? We don't need a corona or something for this, you know, the prices change. It's just like the general behavior in the purchasing and the fact that the, that the supply has been reduced. It's driven by the amount of parts which is available. When mm-hmm. they are gone, then they are gone. And then yeah. I think the buyers, they need to react more and then it's kind of a chain reaction. So this is the point between like a, a soft increase and basically a hockey stick, right? Yeah. So that's, that's I think, what we also discussed the last time. This could change the the way of the pricing, how it goes further, or maybe there's a little, because macroeconomics is still not looking so rosy, right, around the world. You know, we have a lot of challenges around the world, wars going on, conflicts going on, you know, like interest rates are going up. Yeah. So there's a lot of factors where macroeconomics maybe is, is not so positive, but just because the supply is getting um, much, much less and also the, the manufacturers have depleted some of their inventory, these are factors which you have to consider when you make a decision in buying or not buying uh, products right now. This is much more critical right now than when we talk, uh, for example, in Q2. Yeah, I think that's some really good advice. And I just think, I just want to change it up a bit. So we spoke about some of the companies that are involved, you know, some of the semiconductors, Micron, uh, Samsung, you know, there's been a lot in the news around mergers. Um, one of those obviously being Kioxia and WD. And, you know, for some time, it's believed that a merger there was going to take place. And I think for our listeners to understand, um, this is this has not been happening. You know, SK Hynix, they have an involvement with Kioxia, from what I believe, Marco, and, and they put a, opposed a deal. Um, so firstly, I just want to ask, are you surprised that everyone made it through the, situ- the slump and, and the, the situation that we've had? And secondly, just what sort of an impact would that have had on the market if those two merged? And, and even still with WD looking to split into two businesses, what effect could this have on the market, do you believe? And obviously, they're, they're obviously trying to go after that top spot. Right. I mean, there has been just, uh, I think two days ago, there was another announcement uh, which just reinforced what Western Digital said last year. They're splitting the HDD from the flash business. I yeah. think this is a very, very good move. They should have done this much earlier because actually the flash guys uh, eating away the HDD business and they're all under one roof is maybe not the best solution um, to do so. Yeah. But they will now be two separate uh, uh, companies. To the decision that um, SK Hynix apparently opposed to it, right? So I think they didn't make make it very loud that they confirmed this. Yeah. But you have to understand, even if they would not have done this, and even they would have agreed, and they say, okay, we can move ahead with the merger. Under the current geopolitical situation, I'm not sure if this would have approved by, um, by China, for example, yeah. right? Because you need to look for antitrust, you need to look, you know, that these mergers basically go through. And we have seen this with Intel and Tower, that also Intel, um, they wanted to buy Tower Foundry and they also pulled back because they're all afraid that when this goes basically to governmental approval, that somebody will say, no, we are not doing this. You know, it's kind of, you know, Western related against China, China against Western. So I have my doubts, you know, if this would 
have gone through. But on the other side, there has to be further consolidation on, on Flash. There yeah. has to be further consolidation. We have seen this with SK Hynix and uh, Intel, yep. which I think right now is Solidam. Yeah, exactly, where this already happened. And um, um, I, I, I really believe, you know, if you look um, into Western Digital and Kyoksha, um, actually, they are working already kind of together as one company, but I think Western Digital is still in the better position because they they are not completely running like the fabs by themselves. So they basically need to take a certain volume. And if they're not taking this, then they need to pay a penalty for this. But if you really own and run the fab, you are liable for all the costs associated to it. And especially in a downturn market, they have been beneficial for them. But in an upturn market, it's more beneficial for Kyoksha because they maybe can get more supply out of it for themselves, which they basically, um, which they can sell. So again, I think there is still consolidation necessary, but uh, under the current geopolitical climate, it's it's very difficult to see how this happens because you know the players. I mean, I think the market share, Kyoksha maybe 15%, Western Digital 15%. Uh, I think probably the lion share, I think should be Samsung. Yeah. And you have SK Hynix, Micron, but it's brutal. It's really brutal because even yeah, on, the, on the NAND flash, uh, the losses are probably even more severe um, than they are on the um, on the um, on the on the DRAM side and the DRAM upside. Yeah. Uh, this helps sometimes companies, companies like Micron, like SK Hynix and Samsung, to compensate some for the loss. Western okay. Digital does not have this. Kyoksha does not have this. They are purely relying on the revenue uh, and on the profit they have with the NAND flash. Yeah, and that's something we didn't really. You mentioned geo geo geopolitical situations and on that macro level, and we haven't really discussed that on previous podcasts. But obviously, Chips Act, you know, tensions between US and China. Can you just give a bit of background on that and and how you know that might affect a market moving forward? Yeah, I think when we when we look into China, we have two players in China. Uh, one is CXMT, um, so Changchi uh, Memory Technology. So that's in in uh, in Hefei. Uh, so they are purely on DRAM, and then you have YMTC. Uh, they are in uh, Wuhan. Uh, Wuhan just basically announced uh, YMTC. They have 232 layers of NAND flash. This would put them in kind of a lead position. They have announced this already last year. Um, the interesting factor is they have not just announced. There are finished products in SSDs, which are available for sale on retail in China. So where you can get this technology already in a consumer end product. Now, the challenge is, how are they going to scale this, right? Because uh, a lot of the equipment which is used there um, is uh, US technology. But um, they are restricted to not supply this technology anymore to China. So I would assume probably YMTC at the moment has 100 to 150,000 wafer starts per month. The same is for CXMT. But the question is, how are they able to further scale this? They could have further scaled this if these sanctions would not come uh, come into place. And I'm not sure if you remember, uh, I think it was probably one year ago, um, when Apple announced that they have approved YMTC to be on the approved vendor list for their NAND flash for the iPhone. Mm-hmm. And then they had basically Apple, because of so much push from the government, um, and from the media, they basically had to drop that. But just the fact that Apple 
phrased that they would put YMTC in an iPhone shows how far this quality or how good this quality is from YMTC, which helped yeah. YMTC credibility for the China market. And to yeah. your point, the influence what these companies have is not so much on the international business. So, for example, the, you, you, we don't see so many of these products, let's say, in the Western world, you know, if you go Amazon or somewhere that you would see, oh, these products has a YMTC chip in. Not really. But think about all of the, the China market, highly competitive. Um, there's a huge demand also on the local market. What YMTC selling is in, in the local market, the Western companies cannot sell, right? Yeah. Because this, this market share is then basically gone and they need to sell it somewhere else. But again, the, the percentage probably of the whole NAND flash market is maybe 5% uh, what, what they are covering. Um, so, and this would be mainly be in, in, in China and it will have an effect for the other suppliers, which maybe will not be able to supply there. And just on another note, uh, you maybe heard a couple of months ago, there was also Micron having some challenges that the China government um, basically said that uh, it's not possible to use this. They, they used a very blurry uh, wording for this, right? So it was not completely clear where they cannot be used anymore. So they are not completely banned, but they are banned in some ways. But it's kind of a reiteration of what has happened with YMTC from the USA. So there's really some kind of trade war going on yeah. uh, in this regards. And of course, ultimately, for, for us, you know, when we work with customers or when you work with customers and give an understanding, it always has some impact because a few percentage in our market, supply and demand, can push the needle in the one way or the other direction. Yeah. yeah? So that's very important and that's that's what, what I recommend companies, even if they are not looking so much into every single player, if you look into China, you only need to look at two companies, CXMT, YMTC. I'm not one of these people who's basically just saying, ah, okay, you know, I don't think that there will be any threat. These are extremely intelligent uh, companies. They have proven they are making great products and they will continue to fight to bring uh, good products out to the market, which might have an impact uh, also globally in the future. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. And that's really, really explained um, looking at some of those macro things compared to, you know, where we are on a micro level. But I think just now, just to sort of wrap it up and just with more of an outlook, and again, we kind of know where things are, production cuts are still in place and, and there's still a balancing act and, and a removal of, of current inventory. But just for our listeners, some takeaways, you know, um, especially those currently purchasing in this market and looking, you know, everyone's in their planning phase for 2024. Um, so how do you see things really playing out in 2024? You know, more price increases, increased demand, which we discussed, you know, how do you think best the customers should act in this market um, and approach in 2024? Yeah, um, it depends on the segment, right? So I think we should differentiate there, uh, let's say consumer industrial segment, because consumer segment, you are you are very much driven by the demand from the, the customers and how basically it, it plays out. So there you probably would not take a risk buy right now and say, oh, I rather buy something right now because maybe the price is uh, is higher uh, next uh, next quarter because mm -hmm. also competition does not do it. But if you look more into, let's say, B2B, industrial, uh, this kind of area where you where you need to have like a more solid planning, there I definitely would suggest to have a second look um, and get some better understanding, get some more details about the forecast in um, and definitely secure 
um, a certain quantity. If you don't want to secure 100%, do at least 50%. So it's not so hard if pricing goes further up, but it's also not going so much on the cash flow. But uh, definitely the, the, the easy purchasing decision, like in the last 12 months, hey, it's anyway going down, it's not going to happen. On the other side, you will also not see so fundamental price increases like we had in 2018, right? So mm -hmm. I don't think like these extreme high peaks, you know, what we have seen there is also not happening because the environment is not, you know, that everybody is like, yeah, you know, let's let's buy new stuff, you know, let's get excited. It, that's, that's not what is happening. I yeah. think it's still fragile. But definitely is a no-brainer. You know, we see how the manufacturers are pushing through. They have their agenda. They need to come out of the reds. And this is only possible if they if they increase prices. And and I think they are executing on this right now. And um, for in this regards, again, if you're looking on the industrial, I definitely would look more into getting inventory in because one thing is pricing. The other one is supply. Yeah, because you remember how it was uh, during the COVID time. You know, yeah. yes, we can discuss about pricing all the time. It's no problem if there are no parts. <laughs> yeah, you don't get the parts. <laughs> I think from our perspective, that's definitely where we're already seeing increased lead times already. Um, you know, yes. So, so people on a project basis should should look at things a little bit differently. So, um, no, thank you again for joining us today, Marco. I really appreciate your time. You know, for those of you who aren't aware, like I just mentioned, Marco is on LinkedIn and and followed by thousands. Um, and I'm assuming. That's still going strong. So I see you every day on there. Are you still enjoying that or is that, are you still building on that? How's it going? No, I, I think as I mentioned um, to you before, it's, it's something I really enjoy doing because I, I, I think it's one of the most fascinating industry. I mean, in semiconductor memory, but also in total, right? Semiconductor has got so much attention the last few, uh, few yeah. years. And my goal is also to bring newcomers, students, new people who come to this industry or who work for a company who don't understand all the ecosystem to share this and give a better understanding. So it's a lot of stats driven, statistical driven, all public information. I'm just curating this kind of together to give people a better understanding and different point of views. This is very important today that we get different sources like a few to make an own opinion and yes. not just adapt to one. So that's, that's why I really, I, I have a big passion for this and I, I am happy to invest this time. I make new friends uh, via this. And again, whoever wants to follow me, I'm happy about this. You find me on LinkedIn uh, with uh, Marco Magical. Yeah, and I will, I will put a link into your profile into the description. It's also worth mentioning, you know, here at Simmons, we do run a free market intelligence service where we, you know, we collate the, a variety of sources. And again, we've been in a market memory market for 30 plus years so we have our own knowledge here and we're able to sort of give a bit of foresight on what the ram and nand market is going to do in terms of price and supply um so yeah you can head to um sim.co.uk forward slash sims dash foresight for that or again the description is in the the link is in the description so i'll put it in there so um thank you again for your time marco um enjoy your evening and uh, hopefully we get to thank do you. this uh, next summer and see where things are all right always a pleasure with you bye bye see you marco see bye -bye. You. okay bye 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 <laughs>